Brawlers, welcome back to Throwing Hands. Uh, I'm Jake Janowski. Alongside me is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are we doing? Doing pretty good, man. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. So there's a lot of fights that we're definitely going to talk about, a lot of interesting ones. First one we're going to go over quite quickly is the Durham versus Cyphers fight in the first – it was the first event of the main card. What did you pick up from this fight? I mean, this one was – I think it was really impressive with Mackenzie Dern. She's in the middle of this comeback. Uh, coming off a of pregnancy, and she looked great in this fight. Uh, came away with the first ever uh, women women's UFC leg lock uh, victory uh, with a really impressive knee bar. And I was kind of surprised because for somebody that is is such an outstanding uh, jujitsu practitioner in Mackenzie Dern, Cyphers kind of gave her the leg, and she was was done from there it was a really dominant performance in my opinion yeah it definitely was and like you said she did give her the leg which i was surprised with and i don't know that was very surprising so we this was a 115 matchup right I believe so so yeah so this i think dern could make some ground game with this one and some some ground with this one maybe pop into the rankings a little bit she can definitely make some headway in this division i think because there's not many uh grappling sp- specialists in this with especially at the top so she could make her way up there i think at least so we're gonna move up to the next uh matchup on the main card which was uh roberts versus weaver what'd you what's what's your takeaways from this i mean these were two guys obviously uh roberts is is the more the more notable prospect than brock weaver uh roosevelt roberts that is and these are two guys that came in with a decent bit of expectation two guys that are known to be some of the better young fighters in this division. And I came away really impressed with Roosevelt Roberts. He's clearly a very versatile fighter, clearly an outstanding athlete. And and Brock Weaver came right at him, and, and Roosevelt Roberts turned around and was uh, able to come out of it with a submission win that uh, was really impressive in the way that uh, he kind of took Weaver's best shot and came back came right back at him. Yeah, definitely. These two didn't, don't exactly have the best of relations with each other. Like, this fight came right out the gate quick. It was a very entertaining fight to watch until um, uh, Roberts got a hold of him with with that rear naked choke, which I think – so what, what do you think is next for these two guys? Well, as far as Roberts goes, uh, he called out, I believe, Matt Frivola after the fight. And he's he's obviously a dynamic – uh, guy that the UFC really wants to put something behind and somebody like Favola who's a little bit of a veteran kind of uh, is is established in that division I think would be a good next fight for him and I think we can maybe look to see that later in the summer I think that's something the UFC would probably like to do whether that's later in the summer or in the fall yeah for sure I think I think Roosevelt Roberts with his ceiling, his ceiling is super high, I think, yeah. because he's a 6'2 guy fighting down at 155, and he he has weight. He 
it's tough for him to lose all that weight, and but it's worth it for him because you know these guys usually peak out at five eleven, five ten, and Cowboys maybe the second biggest guy in that division at six feet tall or something like that. So that's it's it'll be really interesting to see what Roosevelt Roberts has ahead of him. So what do you think is next for Weaver? You know, I'm not sure really because he obviously had a pretty good performance uh, coming out against uh, Roosevelt Roberts here. I don't really know where he goes from here that he's obviously somebody that has the type of personality and the type of fighting style that the UFC could get behind. If he has some success, I I'm just not sure he's at a point where it's easy to predict who they put in front of him next. Yeah, I would have to agree there. And yeah, he took the L against Roosevelt Roberts. So we don't, it's kind of tough to see where he goes next in my opinion. So we'll see what Dana White has in store for him. So, we're going to move on to the catchweight belt of the night at 150. We've got Quarantilla versus Carlisle. What did you think of this one? This fight was insane. I mean, Spike Carlisle literally sprinting across the octagon to, to go after Billy Quarantilla. Masvidal-esque. <laughs> yeah. And these two guys just, I mean, absolutely scrapped for three rounds. Uh, Quarantilla, I think his, his ultimately his ground control – well, no, actually, he was. I think I believe Carlisle actually won. Yeah, I think Carlisle control. did win the ground control. But um, uh, Quarantillo just did enough when they were on their feet, and also had a couple a couple solid uh, submission attempts there in that in the end of that second round. Yeah, I think I he think, had three or four total submission attempts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the way that he kind of controlled the pace of the fight after Carlisle came out flying like that probably push this one in his direction but I, it was a great fight no matter who ended up coming out on top on the scorecards yeah definitely and with I, I they didn't win fight of the night i forget who won fight of the night who won fight of the night uh, it was the the prelim um the brandon royval uh, won yeah who did he fight who did he fight somebody ranked this is this is great tim podcasting tim, yeah tim Elliott. Elliott. that was the fight of the night yeah, but I, I thought this was the fight of the night. I oh, mean, yeah. fast pace. I think Dana White at the press conference, I watched him at the press conference, he said, yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to slip Quarantillo and Carlisle some cash for this because th- this, was, this was an awesome fight. And with Qu- what Quarantillo did, it seemed like he let Carlisle gas out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he took advantage on the ground and on the feet when he did, when he was on the feet, which wasn't too, too long. So what do you think's next for Quarantillo? You know, again, it's the kind of thing like – Obviously, he's coming off a win, but it's kind of similar to, to what we saw, what, at least what I saw in that Brock Weaver-Roosevelt-Roberts uh, fight where, again, these are two less proven guys. And I think as far as the next fight for either one of them goes, it all depends on how much uh, Dana White and the UFC top brass, how much they see these guys uh, being marketable and uh, being championship caliber fighters in the future, who they get matched up with next. Uh, I'd like to see Billy Quarantillo get a little bit more of a high profile fight moving forward. I think that's something that'll happen. I'm just not exactly sure who it'll come against. Yeah, I definitely have to agree there. I think he really showed who he was in this fight and whether he, if he goes up to lightweight, which I think if he goes, I forget what division he's in usually, but I think he's in lightweight or is it, which one is he in featherweight? featherweight. Yeah, he's in featherweight, featherweight usually. My bad. Ugh, but I think he definitely does deserve a high, a high caliber fight. And, and I think did, 
he did have a, a fight back in April against Gavin Tucker that was canceled because uh, of a coronavirus. That that may be something uh, to look at for his next matchup. That'd be Quarantillo at fourteen and two against Tucker, who's eleven and one. Uh, a pretty good matchup of prospects there. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think's next for Carlisle? He's a really exciting guy, and obviously, if if the if he can get some of uh, the the finer points of his fighting style nailed down he could uh, be a really marketable guy for the UFC he's obviously got a great personality and and does some really exciting things in the octagon i just don't know exactly what the next step is for him because if he doesn't get some of those finer points tuned i'm not sure that you see him as that much of a prospect your personality can only get you so far an exciting fighting style can only get you so far uh, he's got the potential to be really good, but I'm not sure what the direction is for him unless he can kind of get some more of the details of uh, mixed martial arts nailed down at this high of a level. Yeah, you really, you, re- you pretty much took the works, the words out of my mouth right there. And with the stacked lightweight division, we I don't know where he'll go up from here. It's it's a really interesting situation for Carlisle. So. So we're going to review the heavyweight co-main event of the night real quick. We got Ivanov versus Sakai. What would you think of this one? I thought uh, Augusto Sakai looked really good in this fight. I was shocked that one of the judges came back with a scorecard that was 30-27 in favor of Lugoi Ivanov. Uh, But I thought Sakai looked really good. I think he's a younger guy towards the back end of uh, of those heavyweight rankings that with another win or two could possibly break, break that glass ceiling towards the top of the division. Uh, obviously we're going to, we're going to talk about what may be next for him uh, here in a minute, but he definitely is the type of guy uh, that uh, is versatile enough on his feet. And obviously against Ivanov showed uh, some pretty solid uh, work in the clinch and on the ground, some uh, that he could be a, a fairly decent uh, future contender in the heavyweight division. Yeah, for sure. It was a slow start to the fight, but then, you know, they really started slugging it out toward the latter end of the first round and then for the rest of the fight. And Sakai's kicks were fantastic the whole fight. So I really I really think he does have a fairly high ceiling for him, especially at 28, I think he is. So what do you think's next for uh, Ivanov? You know, I don't really know. It's shocking when you look at him, but he's not as old as he appears. Uh, he's what? What is his exact age? I, I remember seeing him walk out and thinking, "Oh, this guy's you know up to around age a hot Alexio Linux. <laughs> he's thirty-three years old. Yeah, he's at the latter half of his 33. prime. Yeah, but he's obviously got uh, enough talent to stick around towards the back end of those uh, rankings in the UFC. He probably ends up uh, somewhere. He's coming off back-to-back losses. He's clearly not uh, really a top-10 contender at this point. I could see him uh, being the the next fight for somebody uh, that's trying to break into those rankings. Uh, So I'm I'm not sure who that would be. Obviously, uh, Cyril Gain is kind of emerging as this heavyweight super prospect coming up. He's the former training partner of uh, of. Francis Ngannou, I'm not sure if he's at that point yet, but I think that's kind of the role we'll see Ivanov take on. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to see where he goes from here because, yes, he's lost three of his last five. Those losses coming up against Junior Dos Santos, Derek Lewis, and this past weekend against Sakai. So, like you said, he'll probably fight somebody trying to peep their head into the rankings, the 15th or 14th spot. Heck, he might drop out. Maybe I can see him maybe at least going to 14 at most. So, we'll see what happens with those two guys. All right, so to the main event on the prelim card, we got... Caitlin Chikagin versus Antonina Shevchenko. Well, I think you and I both know the tale of the tape of this fight. Chikagin just dominated on the ground. <laughs> yeah, which I really did not expect coming into this. We we talked on the preview show that she's really uh, more of somebody that wants to stay on her feet, uh, really would probably try to take that to a decision, which she did, but her her performance on the ground against Shevchenko was something that I certainly did expect, did not expect something that you could probably think would at least be a part of the game plan as outstanding of a Muay Thai uh, fighter that Antonina Shevchenko is. But I don't think, at least I was not expecting Caitlin Chikagian to take that fight almost exclusively to the ground for the first two rounds. And it was a really impressive performance as she bounces back from that title fight loss. Yeah, it seemed like she really looked at the tape that last fight and went, hmm, what can I, what can I, at, she looked at the tape on uh, Antonina Shevchenko and went, what can I do here? How could I uh, cancel out what she can do? And taking her to the ground was that. I forget the strikes on the uh, the ESPN broadcast. It was like 76 or something to five in the second round or something. I'm like, whoa. So she really dominated the whole fight. And yes, Antonina came out in the third round with something, but then Chikagin eventually just took over in that round. So what do you think's next for uh, Antonina Shevchenko? I don't really know because she was, she's really one of the better prospects as far as experience in the UFC goes, but she's not a young fighter. If I'm, if I'm correct, she's already 35 years old. She's actually Valentina Shevchenko's older sister. So she's clearly somebody that has potential in this division, but I don't know how much time she's got left on the clock as far as fighting at at her highest potential goes. Uh, She's clearly got the ability to push and compete with some of the best women's fighters in this division. I'm just not sure who the next one is for her, uh, depending on how long and, or excuse me, how long her prime you, you could say is really going to last. Yeah, that's a good point. We, I don't. We, it's really hard to tell where she goes next. But with Chikagian, you know, it could be very well next be her next fight or the fight after that as a title fight for her because of her dominance that she showed. It seemed like she really after she lost to Valentina Shevchenko, she really put the work in. What What do you think's next? Uh, she's clearly up towards the top of that division. I think. Um, she's going to have to wait for some other fights in, in this division to, to kind of shake out. Uh, maybe the, she gets the winner of the Jessica I, Cynthia Calvillo fight uh, that's coming up. I think that probably uh, will decide who she will probably fight uh, in competition for a title shot against Valentina Shevchenko. So I, I would expect to see some sort of uh, title eliminator between her and the winner of that Jessica I Cynthia Calvillo fight. Yeah, for sure. That's that's what I would definitely look at. So she, I could see. I think Jessica I will win that fight. So I would see. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Chikagian and I fight the one and two contenders going at it. So to the main event of the evening, this is nothing we ex- expected to happen. What what are your thoughts on this fight with uh, Woodley and Burns? 
Gilbert Burns looked like an absolute superstar in this fight. Uh, coming in, I mean, Tyron Woodley was uh, coming off a really long layoff. He talked about how he had kind of diversified his striking a little bit more, obviously during his first run as uh, the welterweight uh, world champion, he uh, was known for the insane power in his right hand. He had said uh, he kind of trained to the point where his left hand had almost completely caught up with that. Uh, he was a much more versatile fighter now. Uh, but Gilbert Burns uh, controlled the octagon. Uh, his, his striking was powerful and crisp and really on target. And obviously, uh, with somebody that's such an outstanding jujitsu fighter as Gilbert Burns is anytime it goes to the ground he's going to have the advantage and he absolutely dominated Tyron Woodley in this fight in my opinion uh, Woodley was back on his heels almost the entire time and I was extremely impressed by Gilbert Burns I think he's kind of catapulted himself into the title fight discussion in the welterweight division yeah for sure I think he could potentially I'm going to pull up the rankings right now but he could potentially move up to that number one spot in the in the welterweight division, in my opinion, I think he sh he showed what he could do, and his striking is so looked so refined in this, especially with his jujitsu. Tyron Woodley only had two seconds of ground control compared to his four minutes of Burns four minutes of ground control. He just looked so much better in this fight. And the thing was, Woodley's like, "Oh, I'm better than I've ever been." Well, it didn't show in this fight clearly. So, yeah, he could. He's not going to compete for the title next. That's up to, uh, you know, maybe Colby Covington or Jorge Masvidal. But what do you think's next for, for Woodley? For Woodley? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see where he goes from here because he's had such a long layoff. Um, maybe if, if Colby Covington doesn't get that next title fight, he would be the next option. Either him or somebody like Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, both – uh, a couple older fighters it would probably be a big money fight uh, for both of those guys as it's former champions kind of trying to uh, bounce back towards the top of the division that's a fight I would probably like to see uh, though the Colby Covington one may be uh, a quicker bounce back to the top of title contention in that division yeah so my next question is do you think he's done competing for a title because I think I think Bur it seems like Burns kind of just moved into his spot in a sense yeah it, it appeared that way I, I don't think the Tyron Woodley we saw on Saturday night is anywhere close to being a title contender uh, if he can come out in his next fight show that he's considerably closer to what he used to be than than what we saw in that return fight this weekend I think uh, obviously you never count out a former champion especially one that successfully defended his title several times like Tyron Woodley did. I think obviously he's shown the ability throughout his career to be a title contender and a title winner. I think, I don't know that his window is completely closed, but he's going to have to show something more in his next fight than we saw this past weekend. Yeah. He's really going to have to show something significant in his next fight. Uh, I don't think he can let that fight go to decision. I think he'll have to end it himself. So what do you think is next for Gilbert Burns? It's really, it's really interesting. I think. Yeah, you, obviously he's put himself in the title contention picture. I don't think he's the next man to get Kamar Usman. I think that fight's going to go to Jorge Masvidal, at least in my opinion. I, I'd be interested to see Burns versus Leon Edwards because that was, I believe, the last scheduled fight that Woodley had before this fight was made with Gilbert Burns. And I think 
those two would put on a really good fight, and I think that could possibly set up the next contender for Kamaru Usman after uh, the next title fight, which, as I said, I think goes to Jorge Masvidal. Uh, this welterweight division is a little top-heavy right now, but just about anybody you pick out of a hat towards the top there uh, could be a legitimate title contender, and Gilbert Burns has put himself in that conversation. I think a Leon Edwards fight would be really entertaining and kind of help shake things out as far as title contenders go. Yeah, like you said, like with pulling people out of the head, any one of these top top five or six people are worthy opponents for Kamar Usman. So this is a really exciting division, I think, in the next couple of years. See what happens with it. So where do you think Burns goes in the rankings? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, obviously, he's going to move up from number six, I think. Tyron Woodley probably moves down. Uh, for, well, he's definitely going to move down from the number one contender spot. Uh, but where Burns goes, I think, kind of depends on how the reaction to this fight goes. Obviously, he looked really impressive. Uh, but I'm not sure what it does overall. He probably, I would say, has a chance to jump into the top three. I think Woodley will drop out of there. It depends on probably how much Leon Edwards is valued going to into his next fight. But recency bias always uh, is going to take hold. I think you probably see either Colby Covington or Jorge Masvidal jump into that number one spot. And Gilbert Burns could probably – he could go as high as number two. I think he goes to number three or number four when the next set of rankings come out. Yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth again. I think it goes to number three personally. I think I can see, like you said, how much the UFC values Leon Edwards. Tyron Woodley goes back to number four or five. So it, this is a really interesting division to keep an eye on for the next couple of years. So this isn't on the agenda necessarily, but what are your uh, takes on the John Jones situation right now? I think John Jones is a man who knows what he wants. I think he's a man that has accomplished – almost everything there is to accomplish in mixed martial arts. And he wants a big money fight with Israel Adesanya. He's going to do what it takes to get that fight. And he clearly uh, does not find all that much value in the UFC light heavyweight championship belt. He knows he's the best light heavyweight fighter in the world. And I want to see a money fight with Israel Adesanya personally. Those are two of my favorite fighters in the world right now, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. I think, like he's, John Jones said on Twitter, he has nothing else left to prove at light heavyweight, nothing at all. And people are like, oh, he lost to Reyes. I personally don't think he lost to Reyes. That third round was up in the air for me, and he won the latter two rounds. So I think I think he won that fight. But it, it'll be really interesting to see how this light heavyweight division turns out. Who do you think gets the title shot? Well, John Jones himself put forward Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blockowitz for the vacant title. I would probably like to see that fight more than like a Reyes-Tiago Santos fight personally. Uh, so I think it's going to be some combination of those three. I think Dominic Reyes has to be in there. And right now, I would like to see Jan Blockowitz across the octagon from him. Yep, I, there's nothing else I, I, I can't disagree with that. I cannot disagree with that. That'd be a great fight. So do you think... Where do you think uh, John Jones and Adesanya will fight at? Like, at what weight? That's that's an interesting question. It, you may end up with with a catch weight 
solely because Adesanya's game is so striking based and so built around his quickness and and his athleticism. And I'm not sure he's going to want to go up that much. And I'm not sure John Jones is going to want to go down to middleweight. I'm not sure if John Jones can go down to middleweight and do it in a successful or healthy way. So you may be looking at a catchweight fight. I don't really see uh, another solution uh, unless there's a big change with one of these guys. Yeah, I it w- it probably will be a catchweight 195 or something like that because any any lighter John Jones is not in a healthy position for himself. So, do you have any final thoughts on anything coming up? Um, nothing, nothing that really stands out to me. I'm I'm excited uh, for this next card coming up. I'm excited to see Amanda Nunes fight again, uh, best women's fighter in the world. So, we've got a, a good summer it appears ahead of us as far as. Uh, mixed martial arts goes that is true all right daniel thanks for coming back on it's always a pleasure i enjoy doing these with you man yes sir all right so we will see you guys for the ufc 250 preview thank you guys for listening and we shall see you guys next time